Welcome to Digital Transformation, the consumerization of government IT panel discussion, sponsored by Red Hat. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the discussion today. Our topic is digital transformation, and I think it's coming at the perfect time for this conversation. Our guests are Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Mark Schwartz, the CIO for the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services at the Homeland Security Department, Mike Hermes, the Chief Technology Officer for the Homeland Security Department, and Adam Clater, the Chief Architect in the Office of the Chief Technologist for Red Hat North America Public Sector. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us today and welcome. Thank you. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion. Digital transformation, hot topic, federal communities talking all about it. But I think we need to start the discussion by defining what agency CIOs mean by digital transformation. Does digital transformation is just another word for IT modernization? Does it mean moving to the cloud? Does it mean changing business processes and doing all of the above? No matter how you define it, digital transformation is more about strategy and less about technology. Forrester Research came up with a digital transformation playbook that helps organizations build a strategy around four steps. Discover, plan, act, and optimize. Forrester says digital transformation is all about enhancing your customer experience while driving agility and efficiency through your operations. It says digital transformation is a tough challenge and few firms have made it the full move and most stumble along the way. And those stumbles come from not listening to their citizens and or customers' needs. A 2016 PricewaterhouseCoopers survey of over 1,400 CIOs found 84% stated they needed to address wider stakeholder needs and 77% found that technology was one of three top influencers transforming stakeholder expectations for their business. The other two influencers, I just will guess, is those expectations and those business needs. Again, when we talk about expectations, we're talking about mobility. Can citizens, can customers access their data anytime at anywhere? In fact, the US Digital Service put some of those expectations at the top of their Digital Services Playbook. The first play, understand what people need. The second plan, address the whole experience from start to finish. And the third play, make it simple and intuitive. All those are easier said than done. But now's the time to bring in our panel because they're actually getting these digital transformations done. And once again, our panelists are Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer for the Small Business Administration, Mark Schwartz, the CIO for the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Service at the Homeland Security Department, Mike Hermes, the Chief Technology Officer at the Homeland Security Department, and Adam Clater, the Chief Architect in the Office of the Chief Technologist for Red Hat North America Public Sector. So let's start with the definition, digital services or digital transformation. What is the state in your department? Let me start with Guy over at SBA. Uh, sure, we are, we really call it not just a digital transformation, but an overall transformation of the organization. Uh, this involves both uh, changing the way we do work, again, buying tools, buying services uh, isn't just part of it. It's, it's really reinventing ourselves. What I found, and, and we are actively moving to the cloud a very, very short timeline of about three months from start to finish. Uh, we had the option of bringing in outside consultants and pushing the federal staff aside and letting the outside consultants do everything and then hope that the federal staff would catch up. Uh, we also had the option of retraining our entire federal staff and taking a couple years to get them to the level where they could do it on their own. And the option that Maria wrote, our, our CIO and I chose, was to bring in expert consultants to work side by side with our teams. So we have that cross-pollination. You have the knowledge of the legacy operation along with the way of where we're headed. And so uh, that's the approach that we're using. It also involves investing in training the staff, making sure that they're up to date. We, uh, I host a weekly lunch and learn on Fridays that uh, we do a one-hour topic each week for the staff to come to, and first one I had three at it. The last one I just had had about 18. So people are seeing that, bring your lunch, get a chance to catch up. So it, it really is, and, and the blank check that we've told our staff is that just because we used to do it one way doesn't mean we need to keep doing that. Let's look at what's the best business reason, what's the impact on the SBA, uh, businesses that work with us, what can we do to make their life better? And, and so that's part of our overall transformation. I think the, the last point you made was definitely key. Just because we did it this way doesn't mean we have to continue to do it the same way. What was your reaction when you said that to some of your, your staff members in the CIO's office? Were they taken aback or they were like, finally? Uh, combination of both of that. Uh, I think part of them going, okay, well Guy and Maria will uh, they'll learn that you can't change things here and they'll stop pushing us. 
uh, and what they saw is that we're very stubborn and we are changing things. Uh, some definitely said, th finally, we have somebody here that's willing to look out for how, how do we use technology to accomplish the SBA mission. And that's something Maria and I both harp on with the staff. The, the Small Business Administration doesn't exist to be a technology company. We exist to help all the small businesses across the U.S. employ the vast majority of, of workers across the U.S. What we want to do is leverage technology through this transformation to make our mission much more effective. So uh, the longer-term employees that are there, they're definitely going, hey, this, this, I, I can buy into this. This, this is something we've been waiting for. And I think it's so important to get that buy-in. So let's turn to Mike Kermis. Speaking of buy-in, the challenges you have of a much bigger agency than SBA, what, how, what's digital transformation mean to you guys right now? Yeah, so interestingly, I, uh, as I've kind of evolved the role of the Chief Technology Officer inside Homeland Security, uh, digital transformation is actually one of our core missions. We actually have that you know, in our mission statement. And so for us, uh, we've, we've actually refined the definition of digital transformation and what it means to the department. When I think of it, there are really two layers at which there's more than two layers, but two main layers that transformations have to occur. One is in how we do work, um, and that is all about some of the stuff that you've heard us talk about in many other panels about uh, the velocity of, of work and, and, and delivering capabilities, the agility that we have, the how we collaborate with folks across the organization. Um, those are foundational to achieving outcomes, and you, you hear us talk about the outcomes are the things that we need to focus on because, like Guy said, when we talk about digital transformation, it's not transforming the CIO organization is transforming the organization. And so there are four main pillars of digital transformation for us uh, in terms of outcomes. The first is uh, how we engage customers, right? How we reimagine the experience for those customers and, and empower them to, to get more out of the services that we offer. Uh, that is fundamental to both commercial digital transformation, but even in federal uh, transformations, we have customers that are both public, but also a lot of internal customers that are performing critical missions. So we have to treat them like customers. Uh, the second pillar uh, is really about empowering and engaging employees, right? We talked about changing how we work, but we have to consider the folks doing all this work and how we empower them, get them to work together, and tools, uh, technology can enable all that. Um, the third pillar is really about optimizing operations. There are many processes that are foundational to the operation of any large organization, whether it be acquisition oversight or security processes. We have to look at those processes, re-engineer them, and apply technology to them uh, in order to make them uh, more effective. And finally, uh, and this is the hardest and kind of most ambitious, we look at, about, we look at transforming our products. And, you know, again, in a, in a commercial sense, that's easy to understand what your products are typically. For the federal government, I like to look at our mission capabilities as products. How are we delivering capabilities to the hands of these mission operators doing mission very, very life and death uh, critical things for our country? And if you look at the capabilities that we deliver now, technology enables us to deliver uh, new capabilities that couldn't exist before. That's like delivering a disruptive product into the marketplace. And so that's the fourth pillar that we have to look at when we talk about digital transformation. And when you go through all four of those pillars, they're all happening at once. It's not like you do one pillar and then you finish. This is an ongoing. Do you find that when you find overlap or you does one roadblock lead to another roadblock? We'll get to some of that later, but, but talk a little bit about the process of these pillars? A absolutely. So first of all, everything we're talking about is how we apply technology, data, and design to solve these problems. But you're absolutely right. There are some that have to be tackled before others and some of them that can happen in parallel. For example, uh, our acquisition oversight process for how we deliver IT capabilities generally uh, is, is foundational to almost everything we do. So when we took a look at that, we said, guess what? We have to transform this before we can start working on other transformations. And so that's been one of the first focus areas for our office, and it's been in conjunction and collaboration across the entire department with all the other lines of business, because we couldn't do it without them. Uh, and so we looked at transforming that acquisition oversight process, and we're in the middle of making major changes to many elements of that of that of of those processes. And I've done uh, several interviews with Soraya Korea, your chief procurement officer, mm -hmm. great woman, mm -hmm. lot going on there, so there's plenty to talk about, sure. I'm sure. Uh, let's move to Mark Schwartz, USCIS. Mark, talk. you've been transforming, it seems like, now for quite a while, and you got <laughs> yeah. one of the biggest projects we're to so transform. Slow. This. It's still going on. It's still going on, but in a good way. You're making progress. So yes, talk, I think so. Tell us where uh, you're at. So I, I also think of the digital transformation as primarily having to do with our interactions with the public. 
but there are a lot of other transformations that have to happen at the same time to support that particular transformation. So uh, one of the big changes for us is starting from a user-centric point of view or a customer-centric point of view. What is the experience like for somebody who is applying for benefits from us or is a company verifying the employment eligibility of employees? Um, what does it look like to them? And uh, interestingly, in our environment, the digital piece is a very small piece of it, right? We, they care about how we allow them to file their applications online, how they can check the status of their applications, things like that. But really what people care about, I think, is how we process their applications. And does it take us a long time? And do we do, do a good job? And do we make um, demands on them that they feel aren't necessary? Those sorts of things. So in order to transform the experience of the public when they're interacting with us, it's not just a matter of online digital services, it's a matter of our operations and how our technology supports those operations and so on. All of those are relevant to customer experience. Now, um, uh, an interesting angle on this, and I know Mike has to face it throughout DHS, is uh, defining who the customer is, really, right? Um, so on the one hand, we want to provide service to the people who are applying for benefits. On the other hand, our part of our mission is to safeguard the integrity of the immigration system. Essentially, we want to be making the right uh, adjudication decisions at all times, not just making people happy. Uh, so in a way, the customer there is the American public on whose behalf we are administering the immigration system. And I, I think there, there's a lot we can do in terms of transparency, um, in terms of um, increased security and increased attention to potential fraud and national security concerns and things like that. So, so Mark, have you been able to define the customer? Because in many ways, you have everybody in the U.S. is a customer in some way or another, or, or anyone who, you know, maybe all over the world. So how do you, def how do you define that customer? Well, I, I think we're, we're always, um, I, I shouldn't say always, we're often making trade-offs, right? So uh, perhaps we need to spend more time adjudicating an application in order to uh, ensure national security and prevent fraud, right? So it's one customer set who's benefiting and another one that's, that's not benefiting from that. But in fact, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit where everybody's happy, you know? The, if we can uh, lean out our processing, streamline processing, reduce costs, um, make things go faster with the same amount of resource, things like that, that benefits all of the customer segments, and I love it when we can find things that do that. And there's probably, as you said, a lot of low-hanging fruit out there just based on, as you said, leaning out, making things faster, better, cheaper. Mm -hmm. Let's turn to Adam from Red Hat. You just heard three kind of different stories, but all kind of down the same path. What do you, what, react to what you heard, and what are you hearing from customers? Yeah, well, so first of all, as a customer, thank you guys for great things like TSA PreCheck and Global Entry. Huge fan of those services, so uh, thanks for all that. Um, I think it starts with mission, right? That's the first thing out of everybody's mouth when we start to talk about this idea of digital transformation. What is your mission? What are you focusing on as a business? Uh, because really that's what the government is. They're in the business of delivering on their mission. And identifying your customers is a huge part of that. And customers are going to be on both sides, not only your internal stakeholders, but also your external constituents. Figuring out how to service them in a way that they're now expecting to be serviced uh, is, is a very different sort of experience than it was before. You know, all of these agencies at one time had 100% paper interaction with their customers. No longer acceptable. We got to a point, not only because of Paperwork Reduction Acts, but consumers are no longer willing to interact with paper as they work with the government. And I think as we move forward, this isn't just about a paper conversation, but as we move forward uh, with our customers, we're going to have to meet them where they need to be met more and more. So I think that's a lot of what digital transformation is about, is figuring out where you need to meet your customer and how you adapt your business to those expectations. The idea of meeting your customer where they are, we can get down the path of mobility, we can get uh, down the several different paths there, but how do you know where they are many times? I mean, understanding, like going back to Mark's point, who your customer is, they're everywhere. They're, they're at this table and they're outside walking right now and they're, so give me a sense from, from your perspective, how, where do you start with the low hanging fruit? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, I think mobile is a huge part of that conversation. You know, as we think about our most needy constituents uh, throughout sort of the U.S. population and even those that are becoming U.S. citizens, 
they're not likely to have a desktop or a laptop at home with which to interact with the federal government, right? Now that it's 100% digital uh, or, uh, experience, they're going to need to be able to do that via some sort of mobile device. So adaptive applications that respond, that are responsive are, are much more able to respond to the needs of our customer base. So I do think that mobile has a big part to play in that. Uh, and then you get into this idea of, well, I went out and, and found a Node.js developer to write a mobile application, but I need to integrate it with all of my back-end systems and services, and they don't even know what a PeopleSoft is, much less how to write to the PeopleSoft API. So how do we sort of cross that chasm as well um, in order to get there? Mike, jump in. Yeah, one thing I just, I, we, we've been talking a lot about customer, 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 and, and Mark had mentioned something about user-centric design. And one, one thing that it's important to make the distinction between user and customer. For, for simple commercial applications, the customer is the user. But for our applications and our businesses, oftentimes those are two different constituencies. And so we struggle sometimes. I know Mark's programs have had, had, had challenges when the, the user, we're trying to improve the user experience, make them more effective, they may have demands, doesn't necessarily line up with the needs of the ultimate customer which may be the business yes. unit or the public uh, that is not using the system. So that's important. And as we uh, approach these transformations, we have to keep that in mind. So let me get this straight, because to me, user-customer is almost it's synonymous because who's using your, your application? Right. It's, it's your customer. Right, but not but, always. But who, so who would be the other person? So, so Mark uh, referenced, in, in fact, we have adjudicators that use a system. They are on there using the system. But we have a customer that is not just the business unit, which is actually made up of leaders and business and, and analysts that aren't actually using the system. They actually own the priorities of that business. They're not actually users of the system. And then you have a customer that is the public that we are safeguarding by making those uh, adjudication decisions that never will even see or understand what that system is. You have to take into account their needs as you're designing your systems, not just the needs of the direct user. Interesting. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Mark, hold that thought. When you come back, we're going to jump in because I, I want to split your hairs a little more on that. Right. You're listening to the panel discussion, Digital Transformation, the Consumerization of IT, sponsored by Red Hat on federalnewsradio.com and 1500am. If you're in government IT, you know the challenges. Pressure to modernize legacy systems and migrate applications to the cloud. Innovating for the future can leave you looking for a trusted technology partner. Hi, this is Paul Smith. At Red Hat, we're helping government IT speed up and orchestrate application development and deployment with Linux containers. We give you the infrastructure and platform your team needs to take advantage of everything containers has to offer. Learn more about Red Hat's container solutions at redhat.com slash containers. Welcome back to the panel discussion, Digital Transformation, the Consumerization of IT, sponsored by Red Hat, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. My guests today are Guy Cavallo, the Deputy Chief Information Officer at the Small Business Administration, Mark Schwartz, the Chief Information Officer at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services at the Homeland Security Department, Mike Hermes, the Chief Technology Officer at the Homeland Security Department, and Adam Clater, the Chief Architect in the Office of the Chief Technologist for Red Hat North America Public Sector. So Mark, you're just about to jump in on, on something that Mike Hermes said regarding user versus customer. I was gonna split the hair, but go ahead, take <laughs> us away, Mark. Yeah, I wanted to build a little bit on what Mike said there. Uh, Sure, we, we work with users and try to figure out how best to meet their needs as they're using our systems, but there are potentially an infinite number of things that would help users. You know, the, the, the question really is why. We always ask why, why are we building this, uh, why are we prioritizing this thing? And generally the why has to do with a customer. You know, we, we uh, want to improve customer service for somebody and a good way to do that is by providing our internal users a certain capability so that's the reason why we choose that capability rather than others. We have this other customer base as I mentioned the, those who are concerned about national security and fraud so we are giving the user this capability because it's going to help us prevent national security threats and fraud and so on. And that's how we see the interaction between those two things, the user and customer. Adam, react to that a little bit because I, I get the impression that they're using two different words, but I'm seeing the same. You, your user base, your customer base is huge. Mm -hmm. So you're really trying to make a lot of people happy. 
I think a perfect example, right? When I went through my uh, global entry interview, I went in and I was the customer. I was buying this service from USCIS, right? And that is your product, right? No, it's no, not. Oh, it's someone else. <laughs> oh, I killed it. Sorry. Well, it's, that is it's CBP. It's a great product, so I'll take. It is. It is a great product. So I go in and and I'm there interacting with an officer who's conducting an interview, and he's using an application to actually manage that entire process. So I was the customer. I'm paying, but the user of the application that's actually servicing that customer is completely separate, right? So the needs of that individual in the field to meet my need uh, were completely different. God, you get a sense that, that SBA, much smaller agency, but you have multiple users, multiple customers, you have businesses, you have small businesses, you have even large businesses. Give me a sense of how you are defining that user, that who your user is and how you're meeting their needs. Sure. Like, as the panel already addressed, when you think about it, most federal agencies, I think, fit into that, that you have, uh, in our case, we have a, a customer base who are the small businesses requesting assistance uh, from SBA. But then internally, we have our users who have to evaluate the financial backgrounds and is this one being approved or this one not but then we also have a tremendous interface with the financial industry to actually manage the loans so again just as the other gentleman said our citizen base is much bigger than the others but when we build a system or we modify it we have to make sure we're addressing all three areas so how do you do that like would you have a governance we'll use governance but do you have a process to do that uh, I think what we've what we used to do, I mean, I've only been there since January, would be probably take time interviewing and take months to go talk to people and then come back and try to resolve it. Right now we're building it into our user stories so that you, you talk to all three groups when you, when you make the story and we see what we need to do if, uh, if Congress passes some different criteria for banking industry that impacts our loans. Again, our, our citizen side, they're still applying the same way but now we've got to adjust how we process the actual financial side. So um, I think with all of these uh, technologies, the critical part is communicating it and not doing it in a vacuum, uh, not guessing what the end product is. As I said, if we can make the citizen side great, but if we break down on the financial side, then the loans aren't going out and all that technology just went for naught. Guys, leading us down the path to a good topic to, that fits into this digital transformation is the, the use of agile DevOps. Let me start with Mark, because you guys are, are, are usually put out there as a, the agency that's far ahead of everybody else and really understanding how this works. How are you, how does agile DevOps fit into this digital transformation? And going back to what Guy said, is, of, of building it in to the user stories. Yeah, I think one thing that we've found in the IT world over the years is that we often think we know what customers want or what users want, but we, we don't, uh, and, and we see it over and over again. The best way to find out what a customer wants generally is not to ask them and not to guess. It's to put something in front of them and, and then mold it until it's more exactly what they need. And the only way you can do that effectively is to have a very short cycle time for producing functionality. So with DevOps, for example, what we try to do is constantly be deploying new features to production with a very short lead time. So we can see how users are using them, we can measure how effective they are, we can take that feedback and make incremental changes to it. Uh, and I think the, um, the more that we try to reach out to the public, the less we n understand them well. You know, the, the more difficult it is to know in advance what's going to work well for them, the more important it is to have very short cycle times and be able to constantly improve and learn. Mike, at DHS more broadly, love to be able to talk about your flash contract. We know we can't because there's some, some <laughs> yeah, protest problems you. with it. Thank you. But you guys obviously are seeing a lot of interest in Agile. TSA just made a big award recently. Talk a little bit about how you, from a CTO's perspective, is working with Agile. Absolutely. So, you know, this is, I, I hate to have to agree with Mark, uh, you know, because <laughs> it, it, feeds, it, feed, it feeds his ego. But yeah, no, Mark, Mark's, uh, Mark's absolutely right that, that the foundational element of some of these digital transformations is the increase in velocity and reduction of cycle time that allows those those learning loops, right? The feedback to evolve to what actually works. Uh, so uh, there is a tremendous organic interest in, 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 in agile methodologies and DevOps. And again, they're not one and the same, right? They, they, they work very well together. You can, you can use agile methodologies to some extent without DevOps. And, um, but, but of course, we're trying to push the envelope across the department uh, and get adoption on both of those, tech, uh, both of those technologies and techniques. 
what we are seeing is folks know they want it, but they don't quite know how to get there. So in our office, we're trying to provide resources and guidance um, to help folks increase their maturity with these techniques. Some folks are a bit further along than others, um, but we are attempting to provide vehicles like Flash. There are other vehicles that we are, are, are attempting to, uh, to get set up. Um, we have resources in my office. We have conversations with folks to, again, help them understand where they can get quick wins, where they can make incremental progress towards increasing their velocity. At the end of the day, if you can't increase that velocity, you're not going to be able to accomplish many of the things that we want. So it is a huge priority for us across the department. Uh, we just have to figure out how we can get this giant battleship of an organization moving in that direction, um, and it's not going to be an even set of progress. Go ahead, Guy. Uh, I wanted to add to it, I'll put a little wrinkle in it. I've had debates with different people in government on DevOps and Agile works great for writing code, but it doesn't apply to infrastructure or the cloud. And I, I strongly oppose that uh, statement because if you do the cloud properly, it is just another piece of code and uh, the fact that you're not buying hardware, you're not setting up servers, you're not installing OS's and doing scannings all manually, that you're doing it in an automated fashion. Uh, to me, you know, whether you call it DevOps or Agile, it, it's, it's reinventing the way that you build an infrastructure. We're doing that right now at SBA. We, had a, uh, we have a data center that even in just a short time that Murray and I've been there has had a flood in it. It's had ceiling tiles fall out of the roof and pull network cables out. And if, if there's no more reason why I want to go to the cloud, it's that I know the big data centers don't do that. And, and, so, and if it does, it's not your that, problem. It's not ours. <laughs> it's and, those and other agents. <laughs> yeah, and they'll be copies so we won't have any downtime. Uh, but I really firmly believe that it's, it's really a philosophy. Uh, again, whether you use Kanban boards, Agile, whatever practices you use, it's changing the way the IT organization thinks, the way it becomes customer-centric, works with the customers, and looks to deliver the best solution versus, I like this vendor's product, so I'm going to stay with them until I retire. Adam, one of the things that I'm hearing is, is the going back to the user discussion, but where Agile and, and DevOps, whatever we're going to call it, really takes the organization down that path. Talk a little bit about from your perspective, when you work with your federal customers, what are you seeing from, from the Agile DevOps world? Yeah, so I think everybody's sort of doing Agile. Not everybody's really sure how they're doing it, and everybody's sort of on a different place in the spectrum of Agile. I do question, you certainly can't do, let's see, you said you can do DevOps, but you, you, can yeah, do agile, you can do agile without DevOps. Right. De, it, de, DevOps, you know, DevOps doesn't really have a point unless you're being agile. Um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you can, you can do agile without DevOps, right. but you can't do DevOps without agile, right? right? I think that's, that's the important point to make. Um, and so automation becomes part of the lifestyle of agile and DevOps, right? As Guy said. So I think as we look at moving workloads into the cloud, I, I always hate the idea of like a manual operator logging into Amazon, AWS, or whatever your favorite cloud provider is and provisioning a virtual machine. I think that's the biggest waste of, of human capital possible. So you automate those processes as much as possible. You automate that entire life cycle of that application, and you can start doing that within your data center, and then automate that out to the cloud, right? So I think that becomes a big part of that transition so that you can begin to approach these other lifestyles like Agile and DevOps sort of in concert with one another. The automation piece, we could go down a path that's a whole cybersecurity discussion. Mark, how much does automation, I've talked to you before about this, so talk a little bit, tell us again about how much automation plays a role in your uh, use of, of Agile DevOps. It, it's abso absolutely essential. Uh, it's, it's a critical piece of the way that we do things. Uh, not only because of the, the waste of human capital, um, but because it's repeatable. It's more secure, you just touched on security because it is repeatable. Um, and if you're trying to speed up your lead time, the uh, critical lever that lets you do that is automating your entire test and delivery pipeline. Uh, and with DevOps, that's typically what you're talking about, the time it takes for a change that a developer makes to be experienced by the people who are using the system in production. And it turns out that that part can be reduced to almost nothing by good automation. Uh, and that gives you the flexibility to keep taking feedback from production, making small changes, and putting those changes out there again. Roughly, are you seeing 
what, how do you qualify, quantify the, ch the, the, the use of this automation, the, yeah. the impact it's had on you guys? Well, uh, typically, in the DevOps world, people brag about how many deploys per day they're doing, or how many deploys per day per developer. Um, but generally, uh, when you're mature in a DevOps process, you are doing many deploys per day as opposed to our old school way of doing a deployment each time you do a release and that happening every year or every 18 months or something. Big difference. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, I think it was a, a conference that we were at together, Mark, where somebody said, um, you know, deploying code to production is really scary, right? You know, things can go wrong. If something's really scary, you either do it very, very rarely, almost never do it, or you need to do it a, a lot so that it becomes less scary. And I think that's the difference you're seeing in DevOps. I would say automation is absolutely critical. And you touched on security, and Mark mentioned it. Um, it's really hard to do agile in the federal environment uh, and comply with security folks unless you have automation. Once you explain to the security folks how automation helps improve the quality and make things more secure throughout the process, you now have overcome a significant obstacle to true agility, and that's why automation is absolutely critical. And in many ways, what Mark's doing and other people in the federal government is testing the code against a preset set of security requirements, and then if there's a problem fixing it, and then it goes to the next mark. Am I getting this right? I don't want to uh, uh, Well, we guess. do that and we do other things. Right. So um, we, uh, the same tests that we would do on the code normally as part of a, a security process at the end of development, we actually do constantly as the code is being developed in an automated way. We also do uh, what is the security equivalent of exploratory testing, human testing, in that we do penetration testing. So we have people trying to break into the system and uh, we add that to the automated testing regime. Let me swing this back around to the discussion really. I mean, we, we, it's easy to get off topic and talk agile and security and DevOps, but all this is leading us down a path to this idea of easier to transform our services. Adam, give me a sense from your perspective when you hear about the automation, you hear about the work that the guy's doing or Mark's doing at USCIS, how does that path end with better services? So I think part of it is that engagement that Mark talked about. The, the idea that we can build sort of a minimum viable product and give that to a customer, whoever that may be, sort of evaluate where they are, how they feel about that, whether or not that works for them. Um, but on the other side of that, what I think is really interesting is when you have developers interacting with their customers and they have a really insightful understanding of what they're building and why they're building it and what the impact on the business is ultimately going to be, you end up with happier developers, right? And so yes. as, as the state of California said, happy cows make happy milk um, <laughs> or better milk, right? So I think that happy developers and, and hopefully by extension happy operations people if we've got all this automated end up making better applications for our customers and we end up being much more responsive to those business needs happy developers i didn't think i've met one of those before uh, guy let me turn to you a little bit so we've talked agile devops but there's other pieces and parts to this digital transformation there's other tools there's other platforms you mentioned the cloud talk a little bit about how you guys also are looking at digital transformation maybe outside of the the quote-unquote agile world uh, sure. One, one thing that Maria and I saw coming to SBA is that we had a very archaic infrastructure, and so the more we tried to transform, you know, basically the roads were broken with potholes. So part of what we're having to do as we're turning the battleship around on a dime is make sure that the infrastructure is reliable, we have enough bandwidth to reach all of our regional and district offices since SBA is all over the U.S. Uh, but we made the concrete decision that we did not want to be in the data center business anymore. So right now we are completing a three-month, and that's this year, three-month effort that was not funded to close down our headquarters data center and be in the cloud as infrastructure as a service using all the technologies that we've been discussing here. Only way to do that is through automation. I know in my current data center here and when I talk to my co-federal uh, co employees at other agencies, if you have 10, 100, 500 servers set up in a data center, uh, I've never had anybody bet me that all 500 are set up the same way. Uh, so what was Mark talking, what Mark had highlighted earlier, being able to automate that when we stand up the next server, it's going to be set up exactly the right way with the right rules applied, with the right security test, with the right scanning versus the manual where something like SQL Server, they might be on the same version of SQL Server, but some servers will be on Service Pack 1, some will be on Service Pack 3, some are on Service Pack 4. They're not all the same, and that's one of the things that excites me about 
that transformation is uh, and part of what I've been telling the staff we want to simplify what we're doing to make it more secure the more variables we introduce the harder it is to keep it secure and why not be on the latest in fact we've launched a campaign called get current stay current uh, I've told the staff there's no reason that somebody should go home and have better computing equipment at their house than we give them as a federal employee so we're upgrading everything to the current version now uh, again I got the naysayers telling me oh guy you're gonna break all of our systems and I said good because I'd rather have us break it than the hackers break it because we're running 10 12 year old technology that a schoolboy now can pick up the tips on the internet how to break into it and when you start talking about standardization security pop my, my mind right away we're going to take a quick break and come back we can continue this conversation you're listening to the panel discussion digital transformation the consumerization of it sponsored by red hat on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m if you're in government it you know the challenges pressure to modernize legacy systems, and migrate applications to the cloud. Innovating for the future can leave you looking for a trusted technology partner. Hi, this is Paul Smith. At Red Hat, we're helping government IT speed up and orchestrate application development and deployment with Linux containers. We give you the infrastructure and platform your team needs to take advantage of everything containers has to offer. Learn more about Red Hat's container solutions at redhat.com containers. Welcome back to the panel discussion, Digital Transformation, the Consumerization of IT, sponsored by Red Hat, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. My guests are Guy Cavallo, the Deputy CIO for the Small Business Administration, Mark Schwartz, the CIO for the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services in the Homeland Security Department, Mike Kermis, the Chief Technology Officer at the Homeland Security Department, and Adam Clater, the Chief Architect in the Office of the Chief Technologist for Red Hat North America Public Sector. A lot of the discussion, we've talked about kind of DevOps and Agile and automation. All this is leading to, and I think we touched upon it in the first segment, mobility and this idea of, of really going to where your users are, going to where your customers are. I know we've beat that to the horse a little bit. But Mike, start us off, when you talk about mobility, how does digital transformation and mobility really do go hand in hand? Absolutely, so for, first of all, I think, um, you know, there was a time when, when mobility was like, this is a special thing, we have to focus on mobility as this unique segment of technology. We're at the point now where I think most folks are viewing mobility or mobile devices as, ju as just another endpoint, right? Now they have to take that into consideration as they build services. Um, the one area, you know, where it's really been a forcing function, I guess there's two areas I would mention. One is it's forced a simplicity in design that has actually benefited cross-platform. You see what's happened with mobile apps is that folks have realized they really like really simple interfaces. Uh, it's compelling to have only a few things and a few buttons and, and to know intuitively what I need to do to accomplish something and not need a help text uh, or <laughs> something that I hover over to figure out what this thing does. Uh, that, is a, that is very compelling for users and you've seen that spread from just mobile interfaces to web interfaces as well. Uh, and you're also seeing a trend in you know, web interfaces being responsive so you can have this, a very similar interface uh, in one format translate to a smaller and smaller format. That's a really important trend. The one area where I think mobile is key and a key differentiator in the digital transformation is that it does provide capability that we can build on to do to provide unique products, as you heard me allude to before, that didn't exist before. By taking advantage of location data, right? By taking advantage of, of other native services on the phone, um, you can now provide products and capabilities that never existed before. And I think that's the, the piece that we have to roll into our thinking as we are exploring those pillars of digital transformation I mentioned earlier. I think that's that's right. So many of your apps today, if you if you have an app for a grocery store, for instance, they want to know where your location is, and they'll tell you, okay, here's here's the nearest grocery store. That, and, and I think, not that there, there's the there's always the concern. Well, does the government need to know where I am? But I think it's, it's more than that because if you're filling out an application. I'm making this up, Mark, but in California, is that application asking maybe different questions in Nevada or Arizona? I don't know if that plays into your thinking. Typically not, but uh, an example of a use case for us is if you want to visit one of our field offices to get information, we can tell you which one is closest to you if we know where you are. Uh, or a civil surgeon for some of the, the medical reports that we need. We can tell you uh, what surgeons are available in your area. And I think people lose sight of the importance of, of that 
additional power that the phone or, or the, the tablet gives you. Uh, give me a sense from, from Guy, your perspective, you, you made an interesting comment that the mobility is big, but it's more of a tablet mobility than a, than a phone because of the, the filling out forms and such. How, how does that fit into your, your digital transformation? Sure. Part of, you know, SBA has been around since 1953, so we probably invented every paper form that, that a government <laughs> agency could, could use. And, you know, we definitely look at, we're asking, you know, our citizens are asking us to loan their businesses money. And while we'd like to make it a very simple app, it's hard to do that. But where mobility can come into play is doing that on a bigger tablet. Uh, definitely if we can reduce the amount of, of information we're requesting, it's less to fill out. But even down to a phone form factor, once somebody has applied for a loan, uh, you know, we're looking at can we now give them an app on their phone that would allow them to check the status, know if they have any follow-up actions instead of having to go back to a full-size computer to work with that. And like Mark highlighted earlier, we have district offices all over the U.S. Again, if, if they want to find where their nearest office is without having to go to a website, uh, again, tying that, that in. Uh, I mean, I'd love to come up with a great way to fill out a 300-line form. On a on a cell phone easily, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm sure the 15 year olds can do it with their two thumbs, uh, but those of us that are older it would probably take two days to to fill it out. So some of that we can't overcome, but we definitely we're not excluding mobility just because of the forms that our agency is based and on. The, the tablet's a key piece because you yeah. can definitely fill out a form that. Mark, jump in. Yeah, I was thinking that guy should set <coughs> an even more aggressive goal and he should he should make those forms so simple you can do them on a smartwatch. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then now you're just causing trouble. Now, yes. <laughs> one of the things is, is, is this idea, and I'm going to turn to Mike on this one, is so many of the digital transformation requires the transaction, right? The government has struggled to be transactional. You could get the form, but you gotta print it out. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it's a PDF. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see that changing, maybe within DHS or more broadly across government, that the, the transaction is happening because of digital transformation? I think I would like to see that. I think there are many there are many obstacles to that happening. I think Mark is actually very familiar with some of them. There are actually laws uh, that make it difficult for us to do some of those things. Ultimately, you do see you know commercial sector moving in that direction very very aggressively. Um, again, it's all about reducing the friction uh, in the interaction between the service provider and the customer, and of course printing out forms, signing them, doing something else with them is a lot of friction. And so as we look to service those customers, we have to address that problem. Again, some of that is outside of our control right now. We, we believe obviously there's an opportunity with the incoming administration. They're, they're soliciting ideas for you know, potentially radical changes to things that might make, make a positive difference. That's something that could be on the table. Adam, jump in a little bit because one of the things that, that, that Mike brought up was the friction piece. And when you talk about mobility, mobility is the, the, hope, the hope to ease that friction. Are you starting to see that with your federal customers? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the whole idea around digital transformation is getting the friction out of IT and how we interact with our customers. One of the interesting things that came up recently, I was at an AFCA mobile conference, and they're talking about the idea of sort of disconnected mobile devices in theater, right? How do I build an application that's going to work with a warfighter who's not connected to a GSM network, who can't necessarily get that signal back? So building small data centers and interoperating those with a mobile application and then resynchronizing all that data when you get back together, these become really, really significant problems. Uh, I know that we've got uh, folks in law enforcement on borders and sort of patrolling some of these things where you're not always going to have that connectivity. So while uh, the mobile devices have a little bit peaked in sort of the feature functionality that we're going to see from, from some perspective, we'll get more sensors and more capabilities, but we're, we're kind of at our format. Uh, I think that sort of the capabilities for disconnected and the ability to do and still be of service inside of a container on a ship, you may not get any signal, but you need to be able to still continue your mission, right? So I think we're going to have to continue to think about those kinds of problems. Mark, when you are looking at the apps that, you, that USCIS delivers uh, to their customers and or users, how does mobile fit into that? How are you ensuring that, that you're just not developing for the desktop? Uh, <clears throat> so uh, to me, as, as Mike said, mobile's not a thing. You know, the, the principle I think we all agree on is we have to deliver our services in a form factor that meets the user's needs or the customer's needs. I'm doing what you just did, <laughs> users or customers. Um, 
Yeah, uh, it, it is true that most of them are on mobile devices, and so of course we need to be able to satisfy them on mobile devices. There are those areas where we can take advantage of some of the other features of the mobile devices, like we discussed, the location, for example. Um, but I, I don't want to go down the road of um, building something just to be mobile, you know, just for the sake of being mobile. It's more a question for me of, of uh, interacting with users and what's the best way to do so. Guy, we want to shift over to this idea of workforce culture change. We, we talked a lot about when it comes to technology, and you and I talked about it just briefly early on when I asked about, you said, well, we're going to change, we're going to move to the cloud, we're going to ask people to change the way they've been doing things. How has SBA really faced that culture change to get people to think differently? Uh, it, it definitely is a challenge, but it, I found that um, anytime you have that type of transformation, ship, you have to, transformation, you have to have leadership from the top, support from the top. You know, we have a new administration on board, a new administrator. Marie and I have spent a lot of time uh, updating her on where we are and uh, the prior reputation of, of our office was not great. Uh, and so we're, we're, we have not only a, a change in culture, but we have to change the whole perception and understanding of are we a valuable uh, contributor to the mission of the agency or are we a hindrance and something to be avoided and um, again it's something that I see technology groups go through quite a bit uh, what we're doing is again setting a clear vision here's where we're going explain for business reasons why we're going to the cloud why we're getting out of the data center business why our teams need to be retrained and reskilled on the new technologies that we're implementing now, and then putting money and effort behind that. Uh, uh, we have a daily cloud stand-up meeting every day. Uh, I, t I attend 90% of those, and, and I'm not hosting one of the cloud teams, but I'm the executive sponsor. So um, while I have 100, like any government executive, I have 100 other meetings I could be at, I'm showing the team every day, this is how important it is that I'm gonna take time to see where we are in our stand-up and where all of our teams are moving. We actually have three different uh, Agile teams operating at once and then five teams operating under the cloud. <laughs> and so uh, they've seen that transformation. I said, I brought in cloud experts to work side by side with the team. Uh, I'm not sure about my, my coworkers here, but that's always a friction point when you introduce somebody who has new skills and you have somebody that's been there for a while and uh, we found by being, by Marie and I both supporting it so strongly that that friction's reduced and, and uh, my one story I always tell them is this is a great learning opportunity. We could send you to a three week class and you can sit at a keyboard, but you've got an expert right next to you that can interact and help you use the cloud at SBA and learn from them and, and I'm seeing the teams do that. It's interesting that it's, it's, it goes back to that simple thing of communication, understanding the vision, where it's going. Uh, Mike, generally speaking, this idea of digital transformation, we're, we're a lot, many, many agencies, DHS, SBA, and just to name the two that are at the table, are definitely jumped off the cliff and are, are, are on their way. Where do you see digital transformation going, you know, if we're looking, if we have this conversation in a year or two right. or three from now? Yeah. Uh, jump, I hope we didn't jump off a cliff, but we're certainly trying to be, move, move, aggressi move aggressively in this space. Up the hill. Um, you know, uh, I, I, first of all, let me just say, I think what Guy alluded to is, is a concept that you, you know, we talk about change management a lot, but what you really need is change leadership, right? You need strong leadership to push some of those changes. And one of my favorite quotes, you know, uh, is from Ed Catmull, the uh, president of Pixar, that talks about how really um, people are naturally good problem solvers. They're naturally creative, but it's the processes and the organizations and the management sometimes that prevent folks from actually innovating. Um, and so, put another way, the biggest thing we can do to encourage innovation and transformation at the staff level is to give them explicit permission to innovate. And so that, that's one of the things that change leadership, I, I think, has to accomplish. In terms of where we want to be you know, in several years, um, there's two dimensions to that. One is kind of more tactical, which is, I want to see us evolve up the maturity chain, on uh, have a higher level of maturity for things like Agile and DevOps. We need to make significant progress there. I don't want to be having these same conversations about how we're struggling to get there two years from now. But, but at a higher level, um, I want to see 
technology and what it can do for an organization acknowledged and elevated inside the organizational hierarchy. So it is no longer simply um, you know, mops and brooms, as, as my, uh, my previous boss used to like to say, uh, but that we are uh, part of the strategic conversation about how technology enables the mission at every level. And that has to be weaved into many areas that it's not currently weaved into. And I would like to see in several years that we've made that progress. It, it still amazes me when, when I hear someone, when you talk that way, like, why isn't it? Like, right. everything we do is technology. Nobody goes goes, well, let's put that on paper, and then we'll make copies and pass it around. Mark, tell us where we're going to be in, in two, three, four years. Well, I'm looking forward to an era where we can make our projects much smaller. You know, <laughs> I, I, I really think this is a deeper problem maybe than, than most people realize. We tend to build these humongous IT programs that are extremely expensive and extremely risky. And I think DevOps and, and uh, user centricity and all these other things we've been talking about give us the ability to shrink the size of projects, do them quicker, and then move on to the next thing, and thereby do them with much less risk, much lower cost, and much quicker time to market. And, and I think the time to market, you mentioned velocity a couple times in, in, in the discussion around uh, lower risk. Uh, you're seeing that already in many ways, the lower risk and the velocity, just based on your work in, in Agile and, and DevOps for the to, to go to transform. For sure, that's the benefit that comes very quickly when you go in that direction. Absolutely. Adam, take us home. Uh, you heard we had this is a great conversation uh, about digital transformation. What, what are your takeaways? What should the audience take away? And then what are you? What trends are you seeing? And you, where where the government's going? Absolutely. So I think mission, customer identification, all of that becomes critically important when we start to talk about digital transformation. I think looking forward down the path, we're seeing a huge shift uh, at the government level uh, moving into cloud providers, which I think is a great move. I think automation becomes an important part of that, which we spoke about. One of the things that I'd like to see people really planning for as they make this movement into cloud is how do I plan my move out of that cloud into my next cloud provider, right? I'm very concerned about this idea of agencies getting locked into a single cloud provider and no real way to get out of those handcuffs. So think about how you move to your next cloud and maybe to the next cloud beyond that or even build an application uh, in, in this new DevOps lifestyle that that is in multiple clouds at one time. I think that idea of multiple cloud application hosting uh, needs to be uh, come a little farther to the forefront of our thinking, uh, whether that be for availability, sometimes clouds go down and that's not very good for our applications, or whether it's for the financial impact of just being able to make a decision based on who's the best cloud provider for you today. And you didn't bring up cyber, but I know that was marbled in, threw it off. All right, well, very good. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. This has been an excellent conversation. Let me uh, thank our guests. Uh, Guy Cavallo, the Deputy CIO at the Small Business Administration. Mark Schwartz, the CIO at the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services at the Homeland Security Department. Mike Hermes, the Chief Technology Officer at the Homeland Security Department. And Adam Clater, the Chief Architect in the Office of the Chief Technologist for Red Hat North America Public Sector. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the panel discussion, Digital Transformation, the Consumerization of IT, sponsored by Red Hat on federalnewsradio.com at 1500 a.m. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Red Hat. Thank you for listening to the Digital Transformation, the Consumerization of Government IT panel discussion, sponsored by Red Hat on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com slash Red Hat.